0: Whoever you are, wherever you live, whatever size your living space, you can do more than you think to lead a greener lifestyle. In the Sustainability Book Chat, we are talking to authors and experts about all the different ways that achieving sustainability is within your reach. everyone, and welcome to today's episode. This is going to be a lot of fun for me because this is something that I have absolutely zero personal experience with. Today, we are talking to Bevan Cohen, author of The Complete Guide to Seed and Nut Oils. Welcome to the show today, Bevan.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Some of you might think his name sounds familiar because you may have heard him a few months ago. We were talking about herbs, and it's kind of funny. When I was reading his book, I discovered that his interest in herbs is what led to his interest in seed oils because he needed a carrier for some of the herbal preparations he was making. And so that caused him to more seriously look at the oils he was using. And it's so funny how those two things fit together And I never would have guessed it. So, you know, like so many things today, we buy something off the shelf and we think that it got there by this magical means that must be really super complicated. Like you must need to have a PhD or thousands of dollars of equipment or something to make oil out of something like olives or almonds or whatever. And like, I always buy cold pressed because that's healthier. And so it sounds like, oh, this is so simple. You just have a press and you just press it. And that is the thing that's just always eluded me. I'm like, it can't be that simple. And then ironically today, as I was like reading over your book to prepare for our chat, I was munching on some macadamias (laughs) and then the light bulb went on. Like the reason I feel like this is so hard for me to think that it's just that simple because when I'm chewing the macadamias, which have a, 21 grams of fat per ounce or something. Like I looked at the bag and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of fat in these. Um, like I'm chewing it up really, really small, but I don't feel oil floating around in my mouth, you know? So I guess that's why it seems to me like, well, the oil must be a really integral part of all these seeds and nuts and stuff. And there's gotta be more to it than just pressing so my first question is, and I read the book and it really does sound that easy. Is it really that easy?
1: <laughs> it's really that easy, Deborah. You know, and that's the funny thing when you're at the grocery store with so many things, unless you've participated in the in making or growing or or you know the production of these items, it, it's so easy to kind of gloss over the work that goes into it. We don't really realize what goes into all of these ingredients available in the grocery store. You know, when you when you visit the store and you see, An entire aisle of oils, all these different oils to choose from. It's so easy just to walk on by not realizing the labor that goes into it. It is simple to extract the oil from these various seeds and nuts. The mechanics are very, very basic, um, but there's some labor to it. It's, It's labor intensive if you're doing it on a small scale, like we do here at Small House Farm, but it really is just that easy. And that was really why we wanted to write this book is I wanted people to realize how easy it is to create these ingredients right at home.
0: Yeah. And I wrote one of the blurbs for your book. And the thing that just struck me right away is because like the whole reason we, we were raising pigs was to have our own source of homegrown fat because I thought, oh, this has got to be easier than getting oil from plants. And then after reading your book, I'm like, oh my gosh, no, getting oils from plants looks a lot easier than raising pigs. <laughs> It is,
1: but you know, there's multiple steps to it you know, we got to grow the plants and harvest the seeds and process them and stuff. So it's definitely, like I said, there's some labor involved in it, but through the book, we guide you down the path of the easiest ways to accomplish all of these things. The easiest way to grow the crops, to forage for them, to process the seeds, to prepare them for the press, running them through the press, every step of the way, we guide you to make it the easiest possible experience that you could have.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I really loved about it when I was reading, because like when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this is just going to tell me what to do once I have the finished product. So either, either I have to figure out how to grow these things on my own, or I need to buy them in bulk from, you know, the, a bulk food place or something like that. And so I was really exciting when I saw that you actually talk about growing these plants and foraging for some of them and things like that. It's a very comprehensive book.
1: I appreciate that. We really try to take it everything from all the way from the seed to the bottle, the entire process for sure.
0: One of the things I think that a lot of people don't realize is just how really heavily processed foods are. And a lot of times it's the processing, not the plant that makes the oil unhealthy for you. You know, like that's the thing with like lard and coconut oil, both is that. So much of what you see in the commercial marketplace has actually been hydrogenated. And that's why, like, lard and coconut oil have such a bad reputation, is because it's the process of hydrogenation that makes it so unhealthy for you, not the actual oil itself. I learned a lot about the commercial processing of oils. Like, I had heard, you know, there's solvent processed and then there's cold pressed. And I didn't fully appreciate what solvent process meant until I read your book. And I'm like, Whoa, yeah, I'm even more committed now than ever, that if I'm going to buy an oil, it's definitely going to be cold pressed. So can you tell people a little bit about the big commercial process with using solvents to get the oils out?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, as, as an educator, I spend a lot of time teaching people how to grow their own food to harvest herbs, whatever it may be. And I find that through the education process, That although I'm fully immersed in these topics all day long, some of the most basic details I kind of start to take for granted. So when I get out there and I meet the public and I have a chance to talk to them, I see that we need to really start at the foundation of these topics. So that's how we started the book, really starting at the foundation, talking about the history of oil extraction, as well as commercial oils and how they're processed. And there's so much to it that people that are just shopping at the grocery store may not really be aware of, as they're not aware of a lot of the processes and how our food is created. You know a lot of commercial oils that are solvent extracted the chemical that's used to extract these oils is hexane which is really just a couple molecules away from being gasoline um, and they use this hexane as a solvent but then at this point there's a ton of processing that needs to happen these oils need to be bleached they need to be deodorized right to get the sterile shelf stable product that we can then go and buy it has a high smoke point people use it for frying and all that sort of thing but it's gone through such a, a multitude of process to get to that point, that in my point of view is not something that we would consider a healthy food, not something that we necessarily want to consume or use in our topical body products or anything like that. When we're talking about hexane, bleaches, deodorization, degumming processes, these are not words that I want connected to my food at And they don't need to be really, Deborah, because we can produce all of these oils so simply, so simply right at home.
0: Yeah. And one of the things that, really surprised me was when you said that most commercially produced peanut oil has been so heavily processed that it can be consumed by people who have a peanut allergy. Like, whoa, like it's so far away. And it's funny because that's not actually the first time I've heard that nugget of an idea because I was at a conference for um, bloggers and influencers a few years ago. And there was actually people there in the vendor area from the National Peanut Association or Peanut Council or whatever they're called. And one of the things they were saying was that, oh, even if you have a peanut allergy, you can consume peanut oil. And they didn't say, you know, like the highly processed commercial peanut oil, which now I'm like, whoa, they should be. Because like I personally always buy the cold pressed not deodorized, um, unrefined. Like I buy peanut oil because I want that peanut flavor and stuff. Sure. And so, yeah, what, when I read that in your book, I was like, whoa. So, like, it's not quite as simple as, oh, people with a peanut allergy can consume peanut oil. It's really just the heavily processed stuff that it just doesn't really resemble peanuts anymore.
1: It doesn't. It shouldn't even really be considered food at that point, I would think. You know, and that's an important differentiation to make for these folks. It's important to realize that difference. If you were to cold press peanuts at home and produce your own oil, that is not something that you could eat if you have a peanut allergy. That's not safe. But these commercial, highly refined, processed peanut oils that would be safe to consume in quotation marks, I don't think they're really as safe to consume as they want us to think that they are. As we move towards this local food initiative, so many people are looking to grow their own food or, or know their farmer and buy local food and be healthy and be consciously aware of how our food is being produced. Our seed and nut oils need to be a part of that conversation. Seed and nut oils are something that we utilize almost in every meal that we consume in one form or another, whether we're, we're using it to saute um, vegetables, whether we're using it to make a salad dressing, it is a part of so many of our meals and it needs to be a part of this conversation. So I'm really hoping that this book is going to help get this conversation started for more people.
0: Yeah, I really think it will. I mean, once people realize that it's not this big, mysterious thing, I mean, like it sounds easier than making cheese, which, which we've been doing now for 20 years and it's not hard. And so this sounds even even easier. Like there's, there's less science involved in this than making cheese. So if somebody wants to make their own oil, what do they have to do in terms of financial commitment to the equipment, starting with the, like the simplest version, like let's say they're going to go out and they're going to buy some peanuts or walnuts or almonds or pumpkin seeds or whatever. They're going to buy the seeds or nuts in bulk and they want to just press them so that they can have their own homemade oil. What do they have to purchase?
1: At this point, all that they would really need to get once they've acquired the seeds is just the press. And in the book, we talk about the most basic press. Uh, We started here at Small House with, the brand is called Pitaba, the Pitaba Oil Press. There's essentially, it's three parts to the entire machine. Very, very simple, hand cranked. It's got a graduated turn screw that then squeezes the seeds into this chamber using pressure to extract that oil, right? Low temperature, high pressure situation. Like I said, it's three parts. It's a very, very basic machine. And they're relatively inexpensive. When we got ours, now granted, this was quite a few years ago when we bought ours, but I want to say it was around $100. Uh, that was maybe just going on a decade ago. So the price has probably gone up a bit, but they're still relatively inexpensive to get started with. And that's all that you need to get started. Um, you've already got the C's. You need the oil press, a container to catch the oil in, and you're in business. That's all that you need to get started.
0: Yeah, awesome. And I think we all have lots of canning jars that we can use for putting the oil
1: into. Plenty of them, sure, absolutely. And they work just fine for that. Um, Not only for catching the oil as it comes out of the machine, but for storing the oil later, you can use a canning jar, absolutely perfect. Just like anything else, you keep it in a cool, dark place, away from the sun and heat, and these oils are gonna last quite some time. A thing that I see that people do so often is with their, their cooking oils in the kitchen, they always store them in the cupboard above the oven. You always see that over the stove. And um, I guess it's convenient. It's close by when you're going to need it, but that's the worst place to store your oil, you know, because of the residual heat from the cook stove. You don't necessarily want that. So it's important to keep your oils in a cool, dark place.
0: Yeah, that is really good advice. I read somebody wrote that a few years ago and I saw it and I was like, oh, (laughs) that's exactly what I do. And they're exactly right. Like that's the hottest place in the kitchen is above your stove. Let's talk about some of the specific seeds and nuts now. And since we have a black walnut grove here, I'm going to be selfish and ask you some questions about black walnuts. I love the fact that you have photos in there because I've always wondered why my walnuts look so different than the kind that you see in the store. I knew they were black walnuts, but um, yeah, they just look a lot different than English walnuts. And I also didn't realize that they actually are native to North America and grow wild here. So that was interesting to know, like, so for example, just kind of take us through the process with black walnuts. Like if you wanted to make walnut oil with black walnuts, what would you do?
1: Sure. And you know, black walnuts are a great one to get started with because they do grow wild where I'm at here in Michigan. very abundant. There's black walnuts all over the place. So getting a ready supply of the nuts enough to produce quite a bit of oil. Very, very simple. So when the nuts are mature, they're going to drop off the tree, right? They're going to fall off the tree and that's when we're going to want to gather them up. You'll see right away that the walnut has this green hull on it and we need to get that off, right? That's that's the first step is removing that hull. The easiest way to do this that I found, um, and this is one of the tricks that we talk about in the book, I tried to include all the tips and tricks that I've learned over the years into this book. So everybody already has it. They don't have to learn it through trial and error like I did, right? The easiest way that I found to get the hulls off these walnuts is to use one of those corn husking machines that's used to crank to remove the kernels from an ear of corn. Perfect. You load your walnuts into that, you give it a crank, it'll peel that hull right off of there, leave it out, right? Then we need to crack the walnuts. At this point now, we've got what would resemble a walnut um, that we're familiar with. Once the hull is gone, you've got what looks like a walnut. So we're going to want to crack those guys to separate the meat, the nut from the shell, right? And, you know, this could be a, a Labor-intensive process, finding different ways to to crack these shells. Um, there's a bunch of choices for different nut crackers that you can use: tabletop models, hand cranked hopper fed jobs, and we talk about all of those things um, throughout the book as well. But sometimes the easiest way is just smashing it, right? Using a hammer or something like that. And we don't have to worry about breaking it up into two smaller pieces. That's kind of the goal here. We really just want to smash those things right up. Then we're gonna take our walnuts, we're gonna have the crushed nuts and the shells and all these things, kind of a big pile of debris. And we're gonna put it into a large bucket of cold water, right, cold water, and they're gonna separate right out. The meat, the nut itself is a little more dense. So it's actually gonna sink in that water and the shell's gonna float. So we can remove that shell, clean up all that debris. So now we've separated our nuts. And we've got them separate from all the different materials. Now we're going to want to leave them out to dry. We can put them out on screens. Some folks have used your oven. You could do that on a low setting, most certainly. Um, You know, sometimes folks will leave the door open, let them warm up, get all that moisture out of them that was in that cold water. And at that point, they are ready to go into the press. Already being crushed up like that, it's going to be a lot easier to feed them into the press. We've got a lot more surface area. We're going to get higher yields. Having put them in the oven, now they've warmed up a little bit. which is going to coax more of that oil out as well. So we're going to get better yields that way as well run it through the press. And in no time, you're going to have more walnut oil than you're going to know what to do with.
0: Awesome. That sounds so great. So I admit, I did not read about every single seed because I'm like, I'm never going to do that, but maybe I missed something good. So is there any particular seed or nut that is easier? Like if somebody's brand new and they're like, just, just tell me which one's the easiest. I want to start with the easiest.
1: I always recommend folks start with sunflower seeds. That's how we got started at a small house farm many, many years ago uh, by pressing sunflower seeds. They're absolutely the easiest in my point of view. One, sunflower seeds are easy to grow, and you're going to get a lot of seeds, bang, a lot of bang for your buck out growing those things, if you're growing them. But if you wanted to purchase them, they're relatively inexpensive, and you can typically buy sunflower seeds, black oil sunflower seeds in bulk from a lot of different places. So they're very easy to get at a low, low price, right? And then the cool thing about sunflower seeds is we don't have to take the shell off to run them through the press. No labor at all. Just load them right into your press with the shells on. In my experience, I actually get better yields on my sunflower seeds if I leave the shells on than if I deshell them, right? So load it right in there, all your sunflower seeds, run them through the press. It's that simple. Easy, easy stuff. Sunflower seeds is the best way to go.
0: Oh, that is so cool. Okay. I'm going to try this now because we feed our goats black oil sunflower seeds because it increases their butter fat. So.
1: (laughs) So you've already got them. See how easy this is?
0: Yeah, exactly. And we know where to get them. And so if anybody's wondering, you will find these in the bird seed section of like your farm supply stores, garden centers, any place that sells bird seed. Like they sell big 50 pound bags of black oil sunflower seeds.
1: And 50 pounds of sunflower seeds is going to produce quite a bit of oil. And think about how much oil you actually use in a day. If you use it when you're making your breakfast, what? A tablespoon or two, tablespoon on your salad dressings. You're only using really a few tablespoons a day. And so I always recommend, folks, only press what you need, maybe enough to get you through the week or something. The beauty of pressing your own oils is that they are fresh. They are the freshest oils you'll ever get your hands on. So they're more nutritious. They're more delicious, right? So don't press a whole bunch and then store it in the cupboard. You might as well be buying it. Press it as you need it, a small amount each week, and it'll be enough to get you through and it'll be the most delicious oil that you've ever used.
0: I love it, this is so great. This is even more exciting than I thought it was gonna be. Is there anything else that people need to know before they get started?
1: Well, you know, hand cranking an oil press, i try to make it sound very simple, but it can wear you out. You know, when I got started, Uh, we pressed a lot of oil by hand. I'd be up all night and I could only really get with my right arm. I could only get the rotation good with my right arm. My my left arm just wouldn't get with the program. So it became quite tiresome. I was pressing a lot more than what I needed for personal needs. We were offering them commercially. We were selling them at farmers markets and those sorts of things. So for what I was doing, I found it was necessary to upgrade to a more efficient machine, if you will. But And then we talk about this in the book as well. We can just take this inexpensive hand-cranked oil press and upgrade that, right, for pennies on the dollar, very inexpensively to make it much easier to use. I walk you through all the steps to turn your hand-cranked oil press into a bicycle-powered pedal press. So then you can just sit on your bike, pedal the wheels, and it'll press the oil for you that way. Now, that's about as easy as it can get, right?
0: Yep. I saw that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that would be perfect, especially for my husband, because he is really into all sorts of, you know, well, he, he runs like half marathons and, you know, marathons and stuff like that. And put so, him to
1: work, get them working.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So this for him would just be perfect. It's like, well, instead of going for a run today, could you make me some sunflower oil, please?
1: <laughs> there you go. You know, I got two boys here at Small House and uh, they are energetic, you know, so I can just pop one of them under the bike for a little bit and let them go. They're having fun. It's good for them, good exercise. You get the fresh air, all that stuff. And I can produce quite a bit of oil in, in no time at all.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. How can people find you online?
1: Well, we are certainly on social media, you know, um, Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. But the easiest way to connect with us is through our website, which is smallhousefarm.com. They can learn all the things about what we do here at the farm, they can order copies of the book different things that we do at Small House, our herbal products, that sort of thing. Smallhousefarm.com, it's kind of a one-stop shop for everything that we do
0: here. Yeah. And as we were talking before, when people buy the book directly from you, you will autograph it for them before you drop it in the mail.
1: Absolutely, I will.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I had lots of fun
0: chatting with you. And that's it for today's episode. You can find show notes at thriftyhomesteader.com slash book chat, as well as a transcript. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. You can also find Thrifty Homesteader on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. See you next week on Sustainability Book Chat.